0: Because he lives, all fear is gone because I know who holds the future. And life is worth living just because he lives. What a, you know, what a great message for the second Sunday in Easter. And if you looked at your bulletin today, um, I, uh, I titled the sermon, The Road Less Traveled. How many of you have read that book or heard of that book? Heard of it. It yeah, the road less traveled is written by a uh, psychiatrist by the name of Scott Peck, who now has since passed away. Um, but I, as you might guess, I really like Scott Peck because uh, you know he was a chain-smoking, cussing kind of psychotherapist that <laughs> did psychotherapy from a reality standpoint. Amen. Not 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 all the psycho babble. Um, he basically, yeah, he basically said, you know, when when people would come in crying about, oh, well, this is wrong and this is wrong and I can't do this and I can't do that, he would look at him go, well, what are you going to do about it? Well, I can't. Well, then you're paying the wrong guy. <laughs> I can help you find ways to do things, but I can't sit here and tell you what to do. Amen. Amen. Uh, so he was a, he was a he was a great. Uh, oh, one of it one of his great lines in his. Um, in his uh, mantra of things that he said as a psychotherapist is this, life is hard. Would you all agree? Life is hard. And it's a perfect lead-in to the reading that we've got today. It comes out of the yes and I am. Using John. Yes, I am using John. And I have an explanation for that. But anyway, uh, the 20th chapter of John, beginning with the 19th verse. Later that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, they had locked all the doors in the house, and Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, Peace unto you. Then he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant, and Jesus repeated, Peace to you, just as the Creator sent me, I send you. Then he took a deep breath and he breathed it to them, received the Holy Spirit. If you forgive someone's sins, they are gone for good. If you don't forgive the sins, what are you going to do with them? Can we stop and talk about that for a minute? I mean, think about the logic of this. I, I understand yourself. that I, I'm always telling you that, that John's not a gospel, but that doesn't mean that he hasn't got some of the theology right. Amen. I mean, we connected last week or two weeks ago, didn't we, with the the Last Supper that John paid attention, what? Not to the symbols that Jesus was given, but the actual work. And now here he is again, once again, talking about the actual work. If you forgive a sin, it's forgiven. And then he doesn't say, and if you don't forgive, you're going to die. He doesn't say, if you don't forgive, then God's not going to forgive you. He asks a very basic question. If you don't forgive, what are you going to do with them? Reminds me of a clogged up drain, amen? (laughs) You keep throwing garbage down there, eventually what happens? It'll back up. So, just, you know, one sermon amongst many here. But Thomas, sometimes called the twin... One of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came, and the other disciples told him we saw the Master. And Thomas said, unless I see the nail holes in his hand, put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe. So eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time, Thomas was with them, and Jesus came through the locked door, stood among them, and said, peace to you. And then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving, believe. Thomas said, my master and my God. And Jesus said, you believe because you have seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. This is the word of God. Now, I want I want to play with you for a minute. What does this last statement that Jesus made, or John has Jesus making, mean? So you believe because you've seen with your own eyes, but even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. What 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 I mean I don't know about you all, but doesn't that bother you a little bit? Aren't people more blessed that just actually do the work? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, that's what it kind of sounds like, right? Sounds like it's kind of setting up a, a, a save scale. Right? Isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, oh, well, you saw and you believe, so you're saved, because you believe. But even more blessed are those who have never seen it believe anyway. So, so, if you, if you so have... you're a bit. Be- so we can have better believers? <laughs> so if you if you if you're married and you could watch your spouse all the time and trust them because they don't behave, it's better if you don't have to do that and you just believe in their character. Yeah. So let's peel the onion back. What is he really saying? You know, let's let's let us let us take the road less traveled. What is Jesus saying when he makes that statement? What is his point? And believe it or not, Brandon was actually on the path. What do you have to have in order for your wife or husband for that relationship to work for lots and lots and lots of years? Trust. 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 That's what this statement is. If you trust the relationship, then the blessings are going to be incredible. So in other words, if you don't have to sit down and think about every crossed T dotted I you do something because you know that it's right, and you do it because you know that God loves you, you don't have to figure that out, then the blessing is going to feel smoother. It's going to feel like a blessing. Amen? If you just trust that God's going to be there when you need God. Amen. Whether you've done good or bad. I could give you an example. You see, it's raining a little bit right now. Amen? I am sure that there is somebody this week that will tell me Oh, yeah, Pastor, I was going to cut to church, but it was raining cats and dogs where I was at. I didn't see any way that we could have church. We've been outside for 10 years. You know how many times we have been rained out? Never. You got it. Zero. We have been colded out. <laughs> We've never been rained out. But we have never been rained out. And the reason that we haven't been rained out is because in order to rain us out, The weather would have to be very specific. The rain would have to be coming sideways, and it would have to be raining so hard that you could not see the hand in front of your face, which means that we couldn't get under the pavilion to set up to begin with. Of course, the person who will tell me that will go, oh, wow, I never thought about it that way. Well, the next time it's raining here, I'll be there. Right? Gee, if they'd have just gotten up, got dressed, and came. Amen? It's good on TV. It's the same thing that Jesus is talking about. Do what you do, because not because you have to sit there and think it through. Just or, do it because you know that it's right. Or you're yeah. comfortable. Thomas, look, dude, I love you. Matter of fact, aren't you along with the rest of the disciples you told me a week or so ago? that you would die for me i noticed you weren't here the first couple of times but that's all right don't worry about that you've seen me now you get it you understand it but those folks that don't need all that work are going to experience blessings like they never thought they could have so one first point here on that road less traveled take the road that's less traveled don't work so hard at this folks you don't have to figure everything out it is okay when somebody says well I don't understand how God could whatever you don't have to know if your relationship is intact i.e. I tell this to people in our community all the time when they say well I don't know how to explain to my parents how I'm gay and that it's okay with God and my response to them is, you have nothing to explain. If they can't accept it, that's their problem, not yours. Well, you know, Pastor, I don't want to insult them. No, what you're really saying is you don't want to get cut off from the inheritance. <laughs> or you don't want really have the uncomfortable discussion. Thank you. I'm being honest here, folks. That's That's what happens. That's what Thomas was doing, and that's what Jesus was saying. Look, you can do that if you want, but it's a lot of work. You don't have to work that hard. Accept your relationship with God. Now, believe it or not, that's the preamble. I thought that was a whole sermon. No. Okay. I got two more things. Okay, go for it. So, therefore, how many of you have heard people say to you that if you doubt that you're sinning or that you're really close to sinning? That doubt causes sin amen okay that's a theological lie that is another power and control move on the part of the institutional church it is not a sin to doubt in fact if you work it correctly it frequently leads to more intensive search for faith and deeper probing of your own tradition and especially if it's carried on in a a fellowship say like our church where you can ask the questions You can have the debate. Such search may find its reward far richer experience than secondhand reports could ever yield. At first, all Thomas had were his doubts, loudly spoken, by the way. It is all many church folks have today. And like Thomas, in such circumstances, we are open to meeting Christ again for the first time. And no, that's not felicious or or humorous, reality. It's the truth. Now, I thought that I would I don't think I've ever shared this with a church before. No, I, I don't think I have. No. Because I'm usually pretty pretty quiet about my personal life. But I wanna make the point that number one, the resurrection is true and number two, that God loves you regardless of your gender or your sexual orientation and that is kind of a Thomas-like experience except for me it was a night where I wasn't even looking in that direction. It was on a night when I had given up on the church. I had walked away from the church. I'd already been told that I wasn't going to be ordained and I was living back in Chicago and I started meeting, uh, dating this guy that was married, had five kids. Um, I was madly in love with him and he thought he was in love with me uh, but he wasn't leaving his wife and five kids and so we we had difficulties as you might imagine because we'd get together maybe once every other weekend or something like that and and I was and, and you know this is gonna come as no surprise I was starting to get pushy pushing him to make a decision as to whether he was gonna stay with his wife. I can't continue sleeping with a married man, blah, 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 you know how all that goes. Well, I pushed enough that he decided to try to fix things and he got tickets um, to a really hot play in the city of Chicago and took me to the play, then took me out to dinner, took me. I went on a date that I just went. And then we went to dinner at the Palmer House. It was just an incredible evening. And then we ended up back at my apartment, and that was an incredible evening. And Billy, you're going to laugh at this. It was such an incredible evening that the next morning I got up and I was fixing breakfast. (laughs) Really? You tried to kill him? (laughs) (laughs) And as I'm doing that, uh, one of the things I needed to tell you is this guy was kind of a, uh, uh, what do you call him, a... um, mystic he believed in spirits he he knew that that ghosts existed etc etc and we talked about it a little bit but I never gave it any never mind well he comes walking out into the uh, kitchen as I'm cooking this breakfast and he looks at me and he goes man last night you had a visitor and I thought okay here we go if you're gonna tell me God was watching this you know bite me and get out of my house we're not having this conversation and he said no no you really had a visitor and then he proceeds to describe my dead grandfather right down to the mole that was on his cheek and the way his heart hair was parted the exact color of it now understand folks I don't talk about my family, not not back then when I was dating and we'd only, you know, and this wasn't, I couldn't get it to go anywhere, so I wasn't talking about my family. I have very few pictures of my family in the house. As a matter of fact, now that Billy and I have been together, we have more pictures of our family, and what we've done, than I ever had prior to, to getting with him. So there was no way that he knew anything about my grandfather. And I looked at him and I said, okay, smartass, what the hell was he doing there? And he says, you know, that was the part that confused me. He said, I didn't know. He just kept stroking your forehead saying, you're okay. You're okay. And then he left. He is alive. And by the way, God doesn't give a damn about your orientation. And I understand completely that when Jesus says, yeah, Thomas, you're blessed because you've experienced this. But even more blessed are the people who haven't and believe anyway. Because I can tell you, when I have told that story to other folk, they have often looked at me and went, well, what did you guys drink that night? Were you doing drugs? And the only thing I can tell you at that point is I've never done hard drugs. And that particular night, we didn't have anything to drink. Jesus is alive. And to live that out in your life, that is indeed a road less traveled. Last point. Here's what I'd like you to think about the rest of this week. Those things I'd like you to put in your heart as you're talking about going down the road less traveled. And by the way, what is the road less traveled? It's feeding the hungry without wanting something in return. It's clothing the naked without making judgments. It's giving drink to the thirsty without trying to bargain for a deal. It's visiting those that are sick or those that are in prison. In prison, not only in their mind, but actual in an actual facility without making a judgment. Brothers and sisters, I cannot tell you, ever since the I-85 collapse, if there has ever been an example of what rush to the judgment it is, it is when they arrested those three people and they've got this guy that they think they're going to nail for causing so much pain. To Atlanta commuters. Listen to these words Peace I live with you, I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither afraid. Believe in God. Believe also in me. These are the seeds, folks. This is the road less traveled. And every once in a while, when you're going down that road and you get nervous, then you might want to hear these words again. Are you ready? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives you, but I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid believe in God and also believe in me God bless you